done it so many times I've been losing all trace of what once used to be mine I've been humming along so I've been terrified, I think I've been terrified of doors and doorings since my mum told me about this film when she was a kid it was basically someone dressed up as Father Christmas to go kill people and there's a scene and she used to terrify her older brother by it and they saw it when they were young I think it must have been like the 70s or it was on clearly and there was a scene in it and what you'd hear his like sleigh bells ringing as he walked through the door and it was a little girl going like mummy he's here I've let him in so it was really fucking terrifying but what my mum would do would go stand at the end she had like a noddy doll with a yeah. bell on its hood she used to ring her noddy doll outside of her older brother's door and go, Mummy, he's here, I've let him in. <laughs> Just a terrifying, like, I see that's where I get it. But that's, from that time when I was a child, I was like, everything is terrifying. Murderers are always at the door. So welcome back to 109 Ocean Avenue. We're here today in the living room. Yeah. The living room of 109 Ocean Avenue. Please don't try and find where I live. <laughs> if it makes it help, it's next to... Two, count them, two crack houses. It, it very much, unfortunately, is. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Do you not know? Like, the one on the end there, you must see the one, you know, where they've got the construction, they've got the... Yeah. The, the things. They've tried to evict them, like, three times. Like, they literally boarded it all up, took all of their stuff out, put it on the... in front of it, and they just came back in, pulled down all of the plywood off the doors, <laughs> threw it all out onto the side, and just moved back straight back in. And then there's the one, I actually think there's three crack houses because we've got one about four doors down that way. And then there's the one when you turn up just before the vets, yeah. or just after the vets, that's, uh, I don't know if it's solely crack, but there is a lot of sex workers living there. Or maybe just one. Just one. Just one well-known one. <laughs> she's brutal though, honestly. She's, she's attacked me twice at least. <laughs> and yeah, so it's a nice, it's a lovely area. Perfectly situated for... <laughs> the topic. So today we are discussing the true horror of killers and well, I don't know if we have we just gone killers. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that go the next go to the next like level in theatrics and, and they know how to present something. So they've they've put on a costume, they've put on disguises or, or masks. So yeah, we tentatively just. Name this episode. Somebody stop me. Mm. I feel about like reference. It's probably going to get lost. On uh, probably, probably a lot of people. I don't think yeah. most of these references. I feel like they're fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've enjoyed them as well. Yeah, I was so. like, I'm. I feel like this is. We'll enjoy this greatly. There's nothing like. Oh, we'll you. be our number. Oh, we'll one and two, two fans. Yeah, one and two. I will listen. I will download this no matter what because there's nothing. I want to also release a book. Release a book that's called "The Narcissist's Guide to Podcast Editing," and it just says page one. It's all funny. Page two, just leave it in. <laughs> no one else will care. But every time I try and take things out, I'm like, "This is crucial." <laughs> this is this, every hour thirty-eight of this, where we talk about the subject for thirty minutes, is paramount to this podcast. <laughs> the forty minutes of bullshit yeah. at the start. Yeah. It needs it all. It needs well. It needs context. adds context. It yeah. adds context to all that's happening. Oh, so yeah. Anyway, Kramer, <laughs> back to Kramer. Apparently inspired by the 2004 Saw film, 19-year-old Fabian Kramer put on a mask from the film 
Now, but do we like... know if it was production quality mask? <laughs> did well, it, or did he cut out a picture of the, the mask? <laughs> and and just, stick it on just, just like, you know the back. party shop when they just have those weird, terrifying cutouts <laughs> just have in front of you? <laughs> but also, I didn't realise Saw was that late in 2004. Yeah. Huh. Um, the mask you put on, there's pictures of it online, and it looks creepy as shit. Like, they've dressed up a mannequin. Oh, in they the always do that. They love with dressing the mask up. On. They love dressing up the mannequins. Like, it would freak me out if I saw that. I'm not going to lie. How big was he, though? That's always the tariff, because the Saw puppet was tiny. Yeah, but it's not that mask. Oh, hang on. Yeah. There's more masks from the Saw franchise. Well, that's what I was thought. And the mask you see, I don't recognise it from any of the Saw films. Hang on, so, we got we it got on Google. Uh, what the hell? Yeah, I don't recognise that mask from any of the Saw films. I feel like that's one of the, like, tortures that happened in Saw. Maybe that's what the guy looks like. He looks so young. Yeah, 19. Oh, but he look... Why is that mannequin? Why do they get this weird shirtless mannequin? That's <laughs> the, the most fucked up. The... Why is the bread knife there? Because that's what he used. He used the bread knife. And they've just, you know... But they, what, they really needed to paste the picture. They were like, look, I bet this isn't... This won't even be the real... Is this the real knife and mask? Yeah, That doesn't apparently. look like a bread knife either. That's not a bread knife. So that's literally um, a butcher's knife. Like, this is... That's for, like, boning and... You join thing. Not a bread knife. Yeah, that's the actual Saw killer. So that's the bad guy in Saw, not the puppet. Yeah, it's not the puppet. Which uh, I think would be much worse. Like, Especially if he's a tall person. There's something about the small puppet. Well, it's a bit fun. It's clearly, <laughs> it's clearly a joke. It's, someone's got an animatronic small guy on a little bicycle. But if he's like six foot five and had that mask on... And then we're still riding the same size bike. <laughs> 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 that, that would be the real the bike issue. Struggling <laughs> yeah, it's just grating across the floor. He's just dragging it with his legs. Sparks are flying up behind it. Yeah, he, wa- he watched the film and then apparently picked up a bread knife from the kitchen, walked over to his landlady's flat, which was directly opposite his, and brutally stabbed her 50 times before calling the police, saying, come quickly, someone's bleeding to death. On their arrival, he pretended to be an ambulance man. I'm assuming there's somewhere in translation that got a paramedic got. Lost. Yeah, paramedic. <laughs> but when this, no, no, I like to think that he's not. I think he's just put an ambulance thing on top of his head because he's clearly insane. Yeah. Because the fact that he killed her, but just was like, oh no shit, no reason. I've just killed her. Best phone up because in his mind, I imagine what he really, truly wanted to do is stab her a load of times, take her blood. Wipe it on himself and lie down. <laughs> like, there's no way he didn't want to wait for the police to come in, find her, be like, my God. When they went to go out to call for backup or whatever, he then stands up out <laughs> of the blood like at the end of sort. There's no way he didn't want to do that. But I don't know what it's like in Germany in, in 2012, but you can't just turn up to the police. They know who the paramedics are. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're fully aware. He does... There's no way he's got a uniform. No. Then he does not mention he's got a uniform. So there's... He's probably shirtless because his shirt was covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was like, best get rid of this. So imagine he stood there naked. He was like, oh, soy nine and ambulance man. You know. <laughs> then just walked away. <laughs> yeah, he, he said he was trying to do, a, do his best to save her. Uh, the mask and knife were later found with a blood splatter that matched both hers and his, apparently. That could so have he only stabbed happened. himself! 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what? <clears throat> yeah, that was with the blood. Apparently, that could have only come as the wounds happened. So oh, yeah, like, but we know. He, he had the mask and he had the knife in her room. She was dying. He went to save her. Yeah. He definitely killed her. He definitely killed her. Yeah, he denied the murder as well up until the end and was sentenced to 10 years, uh, which he must serve in a secure psychiatric unit. If he's still un- unstable at the end of it, he must remain there, which is probably going to happen. Let's face it. Only 10 years? Yeah, I don't, I, that's all I could find. Like, 10 years is a very short time for... But it's in, it's in a secure psychiatric unit, so it's not... So if we talk about, what's his face? Uh, old Peter Bryan, which got... He got, like... Ten years, three different times after killing three different people. So <laughs> yeah, he, he shouldn't have been let out the first time. Uh, no, no, he shouldn't. Have. <laughs> <laughs> Neither will this guy, because he can't. I don't like to say like people just snap and stuff, but but I also like here the, the last that don't don't believe it was inspired by Saw. Saw always lets the, lets yeah. gives them away, allows them a way out. It does in the films. They've always got a way out. They don't really though. Well, no, because they, they don't get really. the whole bullshit of the rest of the, it's the like, Saw films. But... Oh, dip your hand in this tank of sulfuric acid. If you can get the key out before your skin sloths away, <laughs> you can be free. Like it doesn't matter. You're tied up. You can't get the key out. You burn off your arm. You don't get the key. <laughs> then the then the bear trap busts your face open or whatever the hell's happening. I haven't seen many of the sorts. I, uh, I saw the f- I, I read I saw someone like I can't even think what comedian it was. Basically joked about how he watched Saw, and I was like that's ridiculous. And he said he read the read the um half the most of the plot on Wikipedia <laughs> up until the final scene because everyone told him that's where the big twist was. And then he went onto YouTube and put Saw final scene <laughs> and then watched it. <laughs> and we, I was like. That's genius. I'm going to do that. Then <laughs> I just started watching so many films like that. <laughs> but who's got the time to sit and watch an hour 40 of a film? I'll just read the plot on <laughs> the Wikipedia. Quick uh, summarise. Yeah. And to the point where I've told people I like films I haven't seen because I've fully read the plots. I'm like, oh, I love that film. It's great. You know what? Yeah. It's a deep plot. Because then, because I've read through the whole Wikipedia page, I'm like, you know what? The use of camera angles were quite inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Alex Mangal... New York, 1985. He was stopped on the February 24th by Officer Gary Stimulansk. He was stopped for speeding and then searched for just a routine search and then found shotguns and was asked for a license. Now, do you think that he was asked for the shotgun license yeah. or his actual driver's license? I like to think the guy, the guy was like, oh no, you can just go... In like Colombo style, like one more thing. <laughs> I was like, a, li- a license for that giant shotgun. I can clearly see protrude. It's probably in the back seat, you know, in the, like, in the, in the thing that you put the uh, behind the, yeah. in the seat, passing like that, sticking out. Bengal didn't have a license, and while Stanowski was running a license and registration check, Mengel pulled out the gun. A gun from within the car. <laughs> right, walk, I thought, up the gun. gun. I was like, that's on the were. police officer. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he walked behind him and shot him at blank, blank range. He then st- stole the police car with the officer in it and abandoned it a few blocks away while his friends who were in his car drove off. In Well, what car. would you do? 
if your mate just imagine because he's like you know shit's been they've been doing something illegal they've got illegal guns well they were car. hunting in the oh but we're just hunting yeah they were just hunting oh nothing so he didn't what he didn't have so it literally is he didn't have a license for the car so he was driving the car illegally that was the issue they were uh, having yeah I think so holy shit <laughs> The following day, Beverly Capone disappeared after leaving work. And then a couple of days after, a 13-year-old girl ran for a man who was attempting to kidnap her. She said he was in, was wearing an unusual disguise, uh, wearing lipstick and a long black wig. wig. She then later identified him. With, in a did he have the stuff on? Because they often like put the things back on them. So which would have meant there would have been a whole lineup of men. <laughs> some of them criminals, some of them police officers, all wearing the wig and neck lipstick. <laughs> yeah. Now that photo I want to see. But also, in this day and age, if this was 2018 slash 19, right, we would be calling that little girl out. Be like, you can't talk about people that way. Yeah, it's unusual because he's yeah. wearing a woman's wig and that would be fun <laughs> <laughs> not the whole kidnapping part still bad yeah shame on this girl she needs to get work <laughs> after being kidnapped oh yeah there's nothing there's nothing more you should want more than being kidnapped well she didn't get kidnapped no she, she kept her wits about her and, and her intolerances <laughs> to this day he was finally arrested on the second of march in canada after a high-speed chase in which in the car, they found Beverly Capone's scalp. So you can imagine what the wig was made of. Her body was found in the Catskins near a remote cabin, which he'd broken into, and they'd found her body with like her face cut off as well. So, oh, he, he was clearly just scalped it off. Where, where where is the cat skills? And I don't know if it's pronounced cat skills somehow. <laughs> Isn't that where um Dirty Dancer takes place? Yeah. Oh god, I'm just what a fountain of knowledge I am. <laughs> All sorts. So picture I don't know if you've seen Dirty Dancing, but I'm, I'm picturing him as Swayze now. <laughs> dancing with her dead. Really corpse. not the other way around? With him dressed up as her? Oh shit, he's dressed up as her and he's just jumping onto the body. Like, <laughs> he's posed there like that. He's just screaming like, I had the time of my life! <laughs> and just lands on her, crushing her body. <sighs> what? Yeah, after his arrest. <laughs> <laughs> what? He was shot dead. No! He was shot dead. While trying to steal a gun from the officer sat next to him in the car on the way from Westchester to Green County. He made the attempt despite wearing handcuffs. So after he was killed, they found photos of other women in his wallet suggesting that he killed might not have been, been the, only the only person. person. Right. The thing that I have some umbrage in. So they've either they've handcuffed him like in front of in him. In front. Which we know is a no-no. Yeah. And then the police officer sat, gun to him. Like, his gun's at him, so he's... Because there's no way he reached over yeah, and you can't the police reach. officer. And you can't reach that way. Oh, oh I don't know, actually. Yeah, no, I've oh. tried it. But do you know what, though? You can't be shot like this. Because <laughs> if you... On the police officer... you're never getting You're never gun. getting the gun out of the holster, unless you're so good. I and mean, he's probably been arrested. This sort of person, because they clearly wanted to shoot him. 
He, that scene, what they walked in on, must have been the worst. Because if you get shot in the back of a police car, <laughs> handcuffed, like, they wanted you dead. Oh my god. Just in the car still. Yeah, still in the car. Because I read that, I kind of skim read when I was like, hang on, they shot him dead, he's probably running away, he was screaming, I was like, handcuffed? In the car? <laughs> God, it's this guy, this oh. guy, you Anthony Arkwright. Oh God, does this? He didn't say he was possessed, did he? No, I don't, he never said he was possessed. Less fun, definitely <laughs> less, but a lot less fun. But <laughs> there's not much fun in this story. <laughs> there's not. Do you know what I've I seen imagine from this? Though, mind, there's he a, had lo- a lot of fun. There's a lot of young people. This is all everyone here. Like nineteen, yeah. yeah. Nengel's twenty one, and Arkwright also twenty one. It's, it's a rough time. Yeah, it's a rough, it's a rough couple of years, you know. We don't know who you are. You know, you're finding yourself sometimes. You, you find a, another lady's scalp and in imagine trying to imagine trying to abduct a girl wearing another woman's hair. <laughs> but the thing I've never understood when people scalp because there was the whole thing of like in uh, Science of the Lambs when he like puts his face on him and stuff like that. As well, like I get it because he like puts his face on there and makes it look all the bloody, so it looks yeah. like he's been bitten on his face. But if you would put a cut off human head scalp, and I've never scalped a person, but I can imagine it's quite slippy once you put it on. Yeah, it's still gonna be because hair is heavy, especially if you've got a thick head of hair like mine. Like the weight of hair is gonna pull it off because it sits and it's already pulling itself back because how far it goes. So you've got to tape it off. There's no way you can't you can't just put a scalp yeah, a human scalp over your head. And I'm like, it's just that because you know it's making that noise. Because if you're like running, it's gonna fall off. If you're running away, well, you're not running anywhere. Anyone who's got the confidence to walk around in public with a scalp woman's head on them, <laughs> a woman's scalp <laughs> scalp on them, is fine with them. They're, they're taking their time. No, but he could be chasing after somebody. Yeah, but he's not chasing after anyone, is he? He's he always do chasing after him. Him. Yeah, because he's like um, that man has a. He's dressed as a woman, and I'm, and I'm. There's nothing wrong with that per se, but it's the fact that he's um wearing lipstick that is clearly someone's fecal matter, and his hair is someone else's. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually see the woman's start of her head. <laughs> Still a bit of. Blood he probably cut it really low. He did a really bad job of it. He's got like a little flap on the. Well, that's how you do it. You got to do it low, so then it sits like a cap. Yeah, but you don't scalp from the forehead up. So you're going above eyebrows if you're scalping? Well, yeah. Well, so you're you're wearing a full skull cap then? (laughs) Yeah. I like to think... That's the only way it's going to stay on. That is the only way. You're entirely right. I mean, sorry for me for being ridiculous. (laughs) But I don't know if you've got the precision to skip... Because then I'm sure it peels off fairly easy. I don't know. Have you ever ever skinned uh, like an animal? No. It's quite hard. After you leave it a couple of days and you get some like give on it, I've skinned like deers and things. And that's, that's, I wouldn't be going straight away to skin a person. Just <laughs> <laughs> make a nice leather out of them, Ed Gein styling. Oh, so let's talk. Let's talk about Anthony Arkwright and his fifty-six hour killing spree. <laughs> it's not that long, really. It's not, but I mean, considering. Uh, uh, so Arkwright. Yeah. 
Born in a mining town near Rotherham in South Yorkshire. He was middle child of five, in and out of childcare growing up, and his mother left him at the age of four, apparently. By the age of 21, he'd moved into a council flat. Now, 21, your own council flat. How? Because this is... Oh, this is 1998. I thought this was 2015. Yeah, no, Okay, that makes more sense. I'm like, you have to have six kids, be married twice, have 19 dependents before they'll give you a council flat. I don't know about in Rotherham. There might be plenty you have in. But... It's easier up north, isn't it? Everything's easier up north. Apart from you get killed more often, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Drifting in and out of employment, and it was normally only small manual labour jobs as opposed to anything else. Well-known petty criminal in his youth, served a 30-month youth service sentence, and then a six-month prison prison service later on. But I looked, and that's the annoying thing about children's crimes. You can't find what they are. No. They're, they're not allowed to tell you what they are, and I think that's, that's, that's a shame. Because I was looked and like, what did he serve 30 months for? I was like, again, tap at me, I couldn't work out what 30 months was. It was maths involved. I was like, oh, no. Two and a half years? Yeah. yeah, it's not that hard. It's just basic. It's more. It's this is the most basic maths we've ever done on here. Like they're <laughs> dividing thirty between twelve. The twenty-one-year-old killing spree started on the twenty-sixth of August, nineteen eighty-eight. On the Friday afternoon, killed his grandfather. And it's Stanislav Lapidokas. Cheers. By, by beating him with an iron bar I'm gonna and a cut sledgehammer. It. What I'm going to do is I'm going to cut it in so it sounds like, you know, have you ever heard podcasts when they redo it? They've obviously said they're doing an advert and the ad code changes so it's like perfectly flow and then it's like ba-ba-da and they just really, <laughs> really hard cut into it like, and they keep the rest of the advert flowing as it does. Beating him with an iron bar and sledgehammer before moving on to his grandfather's housekeeper, Elsa Condorite. When, at what stage do you think because he started with the iron bar, obviously. Or do you start with the sledgehammer? You start with the iron bar. I feel like they've put this in the wrong order, though, because I don't think anyone would hit a person several times with an iron bar, go, oh, that was intense, pick up a heavier object and then keep going. I feel like you start with the sledgehammer, you realise after six or seven hits of a sledgehammer, it's pretty tiring. <laughs> yeah, but... Also, people don't die straight away, which I don't know this how old this granddad was, does it say? How old? No. No. He, just, he just killed his crap. But I feel like you've got a lot more swing with the iron bar because you can keep going. Yeah, that's why you start with that. Oh, uh, okay. I feel like oh, what, the, if you pick up the sledgehammer, you're not, you don't, hit you don't go away. down, you go up. You hit him straight away, you hit him a couple times with that, it's done. You don't need to go to the iron bar. Well, you do. Have you never heard of the case of Mary Vincent? She was hit. It was the, it's the worst thing ever. It's a, it's a, we're going to hard sidebar on this. But basically, she was, get, she was like 50... When she was 15, she had a massive fight with her parents. Like, she moved out and stayed with her granddad in California for a while. Her parents lived in, like, Nevada. She was hit. She was, like, stayed there for a few uh, weeks or so. Travelling back, was waiting at this, this, these two guys hitchhiking. And she's like, yep, ready to go. The car, a van pulls up. He's, like, an old guy, big, fat old dude. He's like, I've only got room for one person, and it's you. And the two hit other hitchhikers are like, do not get in this van. Because <laughs> these are two full-grown men, and he's like, don't get in that van with him. Like, we'll find someone else. She's, like, really tired. She's like, no. He's, like, he's an old guy. I can probably outrun him if it goes all wrong. But she goes in the car. outrun someone if he's stuck in the back of the van. She goes in the, gets in the car with him. She falls asleep. 
she wakes up, she realizes they've drove the wrong way. They said she gets like a night, she gets like a stick or something sharp. She's like, "The fuck are you doing?" So she gets properly like, "Yeah, takes some charge." And he's like, "Well, I'm really sorry. I've just made an honest mistake." Turns the car back round. Because they're in the middle of nowhere out in California. Because there's so much obviously space. Yeah. And then because they're driving towards LA, and then basically he stops and like, oh, "I need to piss." So she's like, "All right." So she's now like, "Shit, I've made this mistakes I made." Looks down, sees her shoes undone. She's like, "Right, I'm gonna undo my shoe. I'm gonna fucking run for it." As she bends down to undo shoe, bang, gets hit in the back of the head with a sledgehammer. Then wakes up in the in the van. Yeah, because oh, not we yeah. haven't heard this from him. She tells it on an episode of I Survived, which a show if you, if you just want to see some harrowing, and it's just literally just someone sitting there, her telling this story entirely to you. Because you can't believe it's gonna she's gonna then be like, and then I was fine, but you know she's fine because she's telling you the story. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fucking insane so then he's she's like let's let's not then he just brutally attacks and keeps like raping her throughout the entire night after she keeps waking up she's tied into the back of the van and she's like just please let me go and then he's like yeah i'll let you go and then takes her out of the van and chops off one of her arms with a hatchet she's like holy fucking shit starts fighting him with the other with her other hand like kicking him and then suddenly she falls over and she doesn't realize what's happened he's cut her other arm off with the hatchet, her hands still holding on to him. And then she's like, the fuck? He like freaks out because he's just got a disembodied arm grabbing onto his arm. Fuck. He then, so it's not over, he then picks her up, throws her over a 30 foot ravine. She hits the ground. He then climbs back down, drags her into a cave, then goes away. She then's like, holy shit, this is insane because she's still alive. Yeah. She puts her stumps in the mud. To, like, stop the bleeding, because she's a fucking genius. Crawls up the 30-foot ravine, keeps falling down, keeps crawling back up. So at this stage, it was the morning. It's night time before she gets up there. Then she just starts fucking walking. She's walking down the, like, she can hear the, apparently it's like the I-5, which is like main, a big motorway. Oh, yeah. So she can hear that. She's like, I'm just going to keep walking towards that. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, a car with two, like, a convertible with, like, two young guys sees her. And she's holding her arms in the air to stop the blood and stop all it all falling out. All of her muscle yeah. shit falling out of her arm. She's completely naked, covered in blood and mud. Like, all scratched, all bruised, no think. And then they see her and they're like, nope! And they just peel away. They, <sighs> they, yeah, they t- literally turn around and drive the other way as fast as they can. But she then goes like, I don't blame them. Because apparently she, looks, she says, like, she's like, I look like something out of a horror film. I thought they could have at least yeah, called they an ambulance. They could have done something. Yeah. <laughs> like They just drove away. And then the next, she's like, well, that's it. I'm kind of doing... Carries on walking, still to the woods. Then a couple on their honeymoon finds her. And they literally were like, oh, they'd taken the wrong turn. And we're looking just to get back to the guy. They were literally looking. So yeah, I pick her up and just speed her to a phone. She gets airlifted away. Yeah, and then they catch... She gives a perfect description of the guy. The guy's neighbour sees it. He phones her. The phones the police. Like, yep, this is my neighbour. They arrest him. And then, how long do you reckon he got in prison? Well, he didn't kill her, so you, you're entirely right. <laughs> what he did do is chop off both her arms, oh, hit her with a sledgehammer, rape her numerous times, then throw her over a cliff. That's what he served. <laughs> Fuck. He, did 14, he got 14 years. 
got 10 years for good behaviour. So then they paroled him and nowhere would let him come there. So they kept trying to find where they were going to put him. And everyone was like, absolutely no, no <laughs> fucking way. So they had to leave. He lived on a trailer in the grounds of the prison for the rest of his sentence. Only another four years. But then Still, he made, I feel like it's a very short sentence. Very short did. sentence. Oh, yeah. In the courtroom, the last thing he said to her was when, because Mary Vince came to the courtroom, gave a description of what happened. He basically said she was a, like a sex worker and stuff. And that someone else, I can't remember his guy's name, but I think it was Larry. And he's like, yeah, someone else called Larry did it. He didn't do it. Someone else called Larry did it. Then he tried to sue her afterwards, after getting out of prison. Yeah, so basically, he got sent to this, after that, he moved to this weird small town in Florida, and then he killed another woman. And then she went to his trial, so like, after she killed this like sex worker there, yeah. then Mary Vincent then went to his trial and was like, yep, did all this to me. He said he was going to come kill me after he got out and stuff, then, so now he's like sentenced to life in prison. Oh, good. But yeah, it's fuck. Yeah, it was fuck. So yeah, you can survive being hit by a sledgehammer. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Survive much more than that. Yeah, harrowing. Absolutely harrowing. Anyway. Anyway. After killing his grandfather, moved on to his grandfather's housekeeper, Elsa Condorite. Later that night, after going out, because he went out with a few of his friends. Cronies? Yeah, around... <laughs> I don't think they're friends now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not? I don't think so. Um, with Around the council estate that he lived on. He went... He returned home undressed down to his underwear, put on a devil mask and brandishing two knives, brutally stabbed Raymond Ford in his own home nearly 250 times. Up until that part, though, it's pretty jackass. (laughs) Apart from the killing of the granddad and his housekeeper, just the underwear and devil mask just, thing. That's what you do after you get back in from a night out. You've had a few drinks. Imagine turning up. Imagine if this was the story of how he just scared his mate. And he just turned up two fake knives. They're two fake knives, are they? In my mind. <laughs> he's in his little... He's tighty-whities, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way they're not. <laughs> and does it say about the quality of the devil mask? Because I'm uh, picturing party shop. Cheap, cheap, cheap. No, it's... Uh... One of those ones. That's exactly what I was picturing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like the devil mask with the hair and the little, yeah, the little, little goat moustache and yeah. the body. Nice. Yeah, he disemboweled Raymond with nearly all of his organs being removed and spread around the living room, around the room in the flat that he was in. Do you think he went into other rooms with them? Uh, apparently it was like, pretty much like Bunton, oh. is what the officer said. But there's a lot of intestines, there's a lot yeah. of length. It was just like Imagine that though. Blood, mm-hmm. guts, organs, all over the place. I know it would, but I reckon, because they didn't, like, well, spoiling, they didn't find it straight away. Oh, and, no. as, and as we know from our photos of a few day old bodies, they don't look real. So imagine no, just open that door, the smell would have been real. Oh, yeah. There's no way that wouldn't have fucking reeked. Because I've left a bag of, like, organs, animal organs, mind, <laughs> on the side. So you know when you get like a turkey, when you get the turkey and you've got all the guts yeah, in it. Yeah. If you've ever just made the mistake of pulling that bag out, putting it down, going to doing what you're doing, and forgetting about that bag, coming down the next morning after the heating's been on all night and that, oh, that smell like just fills oh. the air. I can't imagine. Oh, just after that, in the early hours of 
Sunday morning, he moved on to his disabled neighbour, Marcus Law, who, who he then again stabbed and sliced open his stomach, rammed one of Marcus's crutches in the hole he'd created, gouged his eyes out and placed cigarettes in pretty much every hole he could in the body. Uh, the last two killings were apparently described as very similar to the Ripper. And that's apparently who he idolised and who he wanted to then be known as, sort of thing. Which is quite sad, because uh, he did the same... Did he get the same number? No, I think it was one shot. He was then arrested that morning in relation to a break-in at Raymond's, Raymond Ford's house. On the arrest, the officer found knives and the old Russian pocket watch, which would then obviously be linked later linked to his grandfather, as well as clothes soaking in the bath. He was then later bailed and taken home and dissuaded the police officer from going to speak to Raymond that after, on when he dropped yeah. him off, saying, oh, he's, he's out drinking. He's not in at the minute. So that, that body could have been found, like, there and then. It's the fact the police let him out. They were like, well... Well, they had nothing to hold him for, for the, for the, for the robbery. Yeah, but... I mean, so he broke into Raymond's flat. Yeah. And then how how did they know about that? Who reported the break-in? Raymond did, but this is a few days earlier. Oh, so basically he broke into the flat. Then he was like, oh, you... you okay, sorry, I fully didn't understand that. So he broke into this guy's flat first time, scoped it out. Well, I think... Well, the guy was there? Robbed some stuff. I don't think the guy was there, but he robbed it. Then, obviously, started his killing spree right. and went, you reported me to the police, you dickhead. And went back and killed him. How did Raymond know it was him? It was obviously him. It because was obviously anyone you anytime everyone just... knew it was gonna be him if it was him. Yeah, so Okay, that makes more sense. It was probably him. And the police believed him that Raymond wasn't there. Yeah. Or they probably didn't... knocked on the door with him. Yeah, and I think probably knocked on the door next when he was like he's like he's not in. He's not no in answer, probably out drinking. So would have just left. Which is yeah. you know. Fair Which, enough. yeah, he's not going to break down the door. He's not going to break down the door just to get a statement from someone. Because at this point, not that, no idea. No, yeah, no one's dead yet. <clears throat> and th- this is one of the worst bits I've read recently. When he, Anthony then bumped into Marcus Law's mother and expressed his grief at her son's suicide. She was unaware of what had happened to her son and went to check on him and found his body. He's just bragging at that point. That's like a subtle... Oh, shit, what you son. But the crutch thing, obviously it wasn't a suicide because the organs were everywhere. Obviously, yeah. Because you can't... I bet you could, though. But she doesn't know her son's dead at this point. No one does. Yeah, he definitely wanted to get caught. Yeah, you you just wouldn't bring it up. Because it's not like he's going to get away with it because the police are going to go look into Raymond. Yeah, they're going to eventually go and... Like, we haven't heard it from him for a few days. There's also a claim that a neighbour had gone to check on Marcus and had found his body earlier than that, but failed to report it to the police. He don't, he didn't want I don't know how true it, that is. But, he, just but... Didn't want, he didn't want to say it. Oh, that sounds definitely like those when the, the sun went round afterwards and spoke to all the neighbours and then one of the neighbours was like, well, I did find him, but I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything because, you know... Or didn't want to get involved. I didn't thought... Didn't, not it's when people place. say, not my place! It's <laughs> when people always say, oh, it wasn't my place to make sure that there's a murderer going <laughs> around. It's... <laughs> building the police then arrested Arkwright again and started questioning on the mur- murders or the murder 
because obviously at this point there's only one body. He fully denied the allegations. We've got to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can't just go in there and go, yep, me. <laughs> Leonardo, she proved that. He's like, <laughs> yep. yep, I did it all. <laughs> all for my son. <laughs> my son. Due to the amount of time he'd been kept in question, they'd handed him a deck of playing cards just to keep himself occupied. Just, you know, as <laughs> you do. It's just a shuffle. He's got a cigarette in his mouth. Shuffling I'd happily shuffle cards for like hours. I'll happily shuffle your cards. Shuffle these cards. It'll be five hours. The problem hours is though, after, after you've been shuffling, if you've been anywhere publicly shuffling cards, which I have been, you have to then be able to either know all the card games or know some close-up <laughs> yeah. magic. Because you can't just be like, oh no, I just do this because I don't smoke. <laughs> I do something yeah, with my hands. It's my coping mechanism. <laughs> and as, as the interview process went on, at one point you pulled out, pulled the cards out and said that... Um, I can read the future and start dealing cards. Like tarot reading. Yeah, pretty tarot much. Tarot reading with um, a deck of cards. Always and fun. when you've got to the four of hearts, there's two things that have, that have been reported said. First one, you've found that one, now found now for two, three, and four. And then the other thing that was reported said was, this is the master card. It, it means you have four bodies and a madman on the loose. Not really on the loose. He's dead. Yeah, he's, they've, they've got him caught. Got him caught. <laughs> um, you're dead to rights, mate. <laughs> you've pretty much admitted there you've just killed four people. <laughs> Without fully admitting it. Just going, Ooh. Just teasing them. Yeah. A little teaser for you. <laughs> Unbeknownst to him at this point, they'd stumbled across Ruin Ford's body. And I really feel it is a stumbling at this stage yeah, of really the investigation. Is, is. Like, oh! Shit! Just looked in slightly through the window. Just lift up the letterbox and then look at it like, oh, that is a lot of entrails. <laughs> is that bunting? <laughs> I think they, um, they went to get back, went to go and get the statement for the break-in. Obviously. And everyone was like, well, no one's heard from Raymond for like a couple of days. So then he obviously broke in and stumbled across the scene. And that's really, I do miss stumble upon. <laughs> it's now <laughs> it's called, the... <laughs> when you just click random. You know, when you just get the clump, the crime scene photos. Even after all four bodies were found and nearly 96 hours of being held in custody. Because it was like, they, I think they found the two bodies and it was getting close to the point where we need something to link him to the case at this point. Otherwise, we've got to let him go. Apparently, you can already be held for, or at this point, you can already be held at night for 96 hours without bodies. charge. Okay. And they had nothing to link him to Amazing the crime. got like, that long. Because isn't it like four, it's 48 hours in America, isn't it? Well, I think it might have been, this is 1988, so it's probably now being reduced. Cause... Human rights and all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so they, at this point, started checking on all of his immediate friends and family and making sure they were all right. So, I mean, and it's a good move. Is it? Yeah. And that's when they stumbled across, again, stumbled. I use that a lot. I think it's something else. Don't worry. Fell apart. I say again 900 <laughs> times a minute, apparently. They found Elsa's body in her grandfather's kitchen with the, an axe laid next to her with blood covered on it. They then yeah. said at this point it was clear that his grandfather was also somewhere dead. So they went to his allotment that he had. Oh, shit, he him. hid the... I didn't realise he hid the grant. Well, did. no, that's where he found his grant. Oh. My father was at the allotment, and that's where he 
Oh, I thought they were both so, killed in the same place. No, pulled him into the shed. The shed in the the allotment, and left his body there. And it, when realizing that his grandfather's part Russian, or is Russian, linked the watch that had been found in his flat to the murders as well as. But at that stage, I don't know if I was the defense, I would be like. What you're weirded out that the grandson had something of the granddad's? Yeah, I would have gotten it. I would have been five minutes, and I've had this thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did he? Did he how long did he get sentenced to? Um, he's in there for life, like life, life. He's never life, life, but he's, he's never England, getting out. Right? It's England. We don't do life, life, do we? Well, apparently, there's a list of people that have got life, life. life. Like sentences. Oh, it's like an indetermined sentence. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just. In. But you know the problem is with those sentences, they can be commuted. So like people with indetermined sentences can serve ten years. Really? Yeah, because there was a case for a couple of people. I can't think of who it was. Because then I was. It was like the outrage that it gone because people got given in these indetermined sentences. I think it might have been um. Because they were trying. To, they keep trying to parole her. What's her face? Then might be Myra Henley, or the other one. Maybe Rose West. All oh, right. I'm not sure. It's one of those two, maybe, possibly. He confessed to three of the killings, but never confessed to Elsa's murder, despite describing the scene to the officers. He literally said he was stood over her with an axe, and she was like a white light or something like that. He basically said he was in the kitchen with an axe, with her. But they Colonel Mustard style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... The, uh, I think the, the killing was put on file, but it was, he wasn't charged for the murder. Obviously, there's no point in... Well, apart from her family's yeah. benefit. Like, there's no... <laughs> but he is not, he's never getting out, and I think they can probably take some form of comfort. That... Yeah, they, they, people don't seem there's to, enough... though, and I understand I understand why they don't, because they're like, well, everyone else got quite-unquote justice. Yeah. Um, the reason why is apparently he was tormented as a child... With people saying that he was inbred and that his father was, his grandfather was actually his father, but police looked into these and said these were all false, childish rumors, sort of things. So now, when they and when they say that, do you mean these were false that that they didn't happen, or the rumors were false? The rumors of that. So the rumors did happen. Well, <laughs> the rumors happened. But... Okay, so that's what I th- when I read that I thought he was like he was lying about these rumors. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the rumours were spread, but apparently the whole, there was no truth to them. Um, it was believed, eventually, that it was due to him losing his job like a couple of days earlier or something, and he just... What do you reckon out. he did? Well, it was a job. Yeah. It was just manual Manual labour, yeah. But he's already lost so many jobs. The fact that he could be driven to that... It's the devil mask. It's the devil It's the pants and cheap devil mask. Yeah. Did he get rid of? Or did they find the devil mask? Because they found the devil mask, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was that was a nice whole fun time. Are you ready to go take a take a long long <laughs> yeah horrible journey again? <laughs> yep. Because so, so after Joaquin Kroll, which we all we all enjoyed that nice long list of uh, victims. Not even survivors. They were. They all. Uh, they all died. Uh, so here's a nice. Uh, no deaths. 
Yeah, I will this, say. I think this is the first. Thing I will we've say ever no deaths. No one's I don't know if that really makes it that better. No. There is a forewarning if you're uh, triggered by child rape. Probably not. Probably. You know what? Say you've you've had your fill and come back next week. <laughs> yeah. Because now I'm going to start talking about the Beast of Jersey. Someone who terrified the small island of apparently only 4,000 square miles. Whole island. Uh, between 1960, before he was apprehended in 1971. Now... That's a long time. It's, a, it's 11, 11 years. years, but he took he took time yeah. off throughout it. Right. The, the majority of this information I got from a uh, blog, and I think there's also a podcast now on it, and it's called True Crime Enthusiast. And... Uh, he or she didn't look up whose the blog was, but uh, did a very, very thorough job of researching this all far better than I could have done. So I essentially took from their work. <laughs> so, <laughs> and one thing I haven't had, which I've heard about four or five different like podcasts talk about this, and they all reference this because it's the best thing out there for it. He mentions the Jersey cows at the start of it a lot, and then everyone else does because of it. So I felt like I found two obviously mentioned. There's a lot of talk about cows at the start. I haven't mentioned any cows, so I've started literally from day one of the attacks. So it was uh, November in 1957. No concrete dates. Just we know the months and the years. There's no exact, apart from one of them, I think. This is all in there. This definitely happened. It's all proof. There's, there's newspapers and such. It was November in 1957 in the Mont Lab area of, of Lab. La no, you don't pronounce it. It's French. You don't pronounce the last letter, apparently. Huh. Um, of area of Jersey, when a 29-year-old, uh, 29-year-old nurse was waiting for the bus when she was attacked by a man wearing something to obscure his face and speaking in a fake Irish accent. So apparently it was a very soft-spoken... Oh, if you could... The whole time, face covered. So, it could <laughs> never. If anyone, if anyone ever walk. walks up to you, face covered, and a fake face accent. down. And if it's so noticeably fake that you, every person... Why pick Irish? Irish is quite a distinct accent. You want, like, a subtle accent that you can try and fake? Well, this is... It gets into this guy's whole thing in a minute. Like, but it was all about the fake disguise. So um, he then dragged her into a field and physically and sexually assaulted her. Um, the attack was so brutal that she needed like several stitches. And then the next year in 1958 in March, a 21-year-old woman was walking back from a bus stop in Trinity when she was attacked by someone who uh, threw a rope around her neck. Shit. So the most terrifying thing, she kind of crosses him. They're doing the old one walk in that way. Yeah. And as she goes past him, bang, rope around the neck, pulled tight, and then he dragged her from the rope into a field and then um, uh, assaulted her as well. And then later that year in July, a 31-year-old woman was walking back from another fucking bus stop. This, this plays in heavily bus stops in this story. And uh, she Just was... Don't uh, use public transport. Well, then you've got... What, you're going to do walk? It doesn't matter, because the bus stops are in the way. <laughs> this is when it happens. Uh, this this attack was in the exact similar fashion, where she was resulted in a rope being put around her neck, and then she was uh, dragged into the, a field and sexually assaulted. And then there was 
similar attacks which happened in um, the next following year in August in Grauville and then another attack happened and that was the one in August on like a young girl walking back from the bus stop but still it was like young girl but then the second attack um, happened in October in St. Martin's but the woman was like sexually assaulted but she managed to like, escape before she was like fully raped yeah. so a kind of a little win um, the survivors, or as I've, it's auto-corrected to, the saviors here. <laughs> um, the survivors all gave um, a similar description of the attacker. He was a five foot six white man, aged between forty and forty-five. Uh, he wore a raincoat or a full-length jacket. Put on a soft Irish accent. Uh, some of them said he was wearing a rope-style belt. That was obviously the rope. Yeah, the rope that he then whip off and uh, tie uh, he, he would often tie their hands behind their head, which I put weird because. It's not really... You've, you've got quite a lot of range of motion if you've just tied... Yeah. The, and You've got your elbows out. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> you can just go straight up, back up. Yeah, the top. that's what so I think I don't understand. But okay, I think he was like, oh, apparently they were beating, beating them viciously into submission. And they uh, all said he had a very strong, musty smell. So all of the similarities in the case... Detectives were led to believe that um, this was the, a serial rapist. They dubbed him the Beast of Jersey. The next year, on the 14th of February, so it's Valentine's Day, um, he decided to change up his whole, like, shtick. So, uh, I know what you're doing. You're stuck in a rut. You changed it up. Yeah. So, uh, what he did, he climbed through the window of a 12-year-old boy in Granville region, placed a rope around his neck, then um, led him out of the house... And like sexually assaulted him, and then led him back to the front front step, and then went away. Yeah. Uh, in the then in the twenty uh, March in March that year, a twenty five year old woman was walking back from. Yeah, yeah, you got it. It's another bus stop in uh, Saint Relayed uh, when a man pulled up uh, in a Rover, and uh, he was wearing a cap pulled over his face. A large duffel coat, gloves, and gloves, and he offered her a lift. He said he was a doctor on the way to pick up his wife. Uh, she said yes to the, the ride, and then he just drove into a field, uh, started punching her, then he tied her hands behind her, her head. He kept threatening that he was going to kill her, and that he'd killed before. Then he dragged her out of the car to rape her, dragged her back into the car, but she managed to, um, as she was in the car, because he was driving away to another location afterwards, yeah. and she managed to get out of the car and then started to sc- scream for help. But um, the time that anyone turned up, he'd already like driven off. I wonder if she hadn't got out of the car, whether she would have been killed. I don't know necessarily whether she would have been, because he had all the opportunity, as you see with all the other ones. Yeah, well, if he'd never... Maybe if he'd have killed his first victim, that would have been the breaking point. Yeah. He's obviously threatening to kill her. And, and he keeps saying, he's, that's what happened throughout the whole thing. He's telling people that he's killed before. Uh, the following week, a woman and a thought of them, this is the most fucking terrifying one, I feel. So um, this is the next week, so in the late, last part of March, last week in March, there were a woman and a 14-year-old daughter the next two people to survive an attack from the beast. The I see it was so it was late in the night. 
this then this cottage is in the middle even for jersey is out in the fucking middle of nowhere and it was around half 12 when she heard the phone ringing so she went downstairs to answer it picked it up all she heard was a click and then the, the dial tone she was like oh, a bit strange but she went uh went back to bed then she went back downstairs when she heard a noise about an hour later and she got to the bottom of the stairs and the, she went to turn light and all the lights went out. So she's like, oh God. Then she heard someone in the house. So she's like, right, ran to the phone to uh, um, try and call the police. Phone's been cut. Yeah, and then she, it was then when she was attacked and grabbed by a man and the man like demanded money from her and then said he was gonna, said he was gonna kill her. Um, however, this after all this commotion, the young girl hears it and um, starts coming downstairs. And it's now at this point where I can understand what the mum did. Because it was, she was going to get attacked and stuff, and it was her own time to go and try and get help. Because again, they're in the middle of nowhere. But as soon as the guy leaves her to go walk upstairs, she books it out of there. Which is bad parenting. But she does go and get help, but she does... Uh, Goes like a nearby like farmhouse, which is quite a while away. Yeah. And then goes to call for help, and gets the police come. And then drive back to the cottage to find like her daughter uh, had been like raped. So it's a horrible time. And the guy had gone away. And again, they both yeah. both gave the same descriptions. Him smelling musty, and him using the strange accent. So now this is um where it starts. He starts getting into the reason why we're here. And in April, a 14-year-old girl woke up screaming to a man in her bedroom wearing a strange mask. He ran away as soon as, like, she started screaming. He jumped straight back out the window and, and was gone. Uh, then in July, an 8-year-old um, was taken from his house with a rope tied around his neck. And then obviously assaulted and then led back to the house again. That's what he obviously seems same. to keep doing. He's, yeah, it's the same way every time... He literally breaks in through the window, get grabs the boy silently, then takes them out through the window and then leads them back to the house. Uh, the next attack took place in February 1961 on a 12-year-old boy. He was taken from his house in a similar fashion, assaulted, then returned. Then an almost identical attack took place in in March on an 11-year-old boy in St. Saviour. And then what followed was the, apparently the most brutal of the attacks, and that was against the 11-year-old girl. It didn't say whether he, she was taken from the house, but I assumed in the same, yes, yeah, same manner. Same After three years of these attacks happening, like Jersey was like, we can't catch him, we keep trying to. And they at the time, they like everyone on the island, they basically were going around and taking fingerprints from everyone because they had some fingerprint evidence, but that's yeah. all they really had because it was the 60s, obviously. So DNA sort of thing... They can't catch them that way. So all they really had is the fingerprints. So they went out, dragged a net around everyone, could still could find nothing. Never. So then they called in Scotland Yard. They called in uh, senior homicide detective, Superintendent Jack Mannins. Great name. Yeah. Great name. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, when he arrived on the island, the first thing he did was to appeal to all the islanders. And this is a direct quote from the article that I read, which to turn detective. Um, so basically, it was like someone must know someone who matches yes, someone. this description because their descriptions are all there. Jersey's and he not was massive, either. yeah. It's, it's, not... it's four. It's, it's like 30, I think there's thirty thousand people they took fingerprints from, and there was thirteen people that didn't get fingerprints. 
So you know what you're saying? That's where you start, but apparently they <laughs> yeah. didn't. They didn't do that. You also start with putting... I mean, you can't because he's changed the way he does it, but you put somebody on bus stops. Like the a bus st- stop watch. All, what, all the bus stops, though, in Jersey? I don't know. Just... You know what, though? Yeah. After the 15th rape or something, all the bus stops. Everyone. Every bus stops gets a police officer. Um, so the, the then they also gave his description to the press, which leads me to think they hadn't yet. Yeah, that sounds like it's the first time they've gone, ooh. Yeah. Let's let everyone else know about what's yeah, going on. So, um, so far, the information the police had on the beast was um, he always attacked at night. More specifically, he attacked between the hours of 10pm and 3am. And uh, it was said that all were said to be moonlit weekends. So he like, oh. always attacked on the weekend. I think this is for his second attack, yeah. set of attacks, not his first. So, um, They've descri- got a good bus service. Yeah. Gone between <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he was described as being in his uh, 40s, around 5 foot 6, regular build, with a small moustache. Uh, he normally wearing long coats, jackets and hats, gloves, and having face covered by either a mask or a scarf. Now, he carried a torch, apparently, with a very, very, like, pinprick, like, sight, so he could just oh. go around yeah. and not see... No one would wake. He wouldn't wake people up, seeing it was apparently very specific, and that comes back in later. Uh, Zach Beam, he would break into the rooms of the vic- of the victims, leading police to believe that he had very good knowledge of both the island and and its residents. So they think he was probably casing places beforehand because yeah. he never woke anyone else up. When he would when he entered, he would blindfold, tie up the hands, and then lead them out to the field with a rope around their neck. Uh, he'd often mention his wife or dead mum, and he would mention about how he had dropped his cigarettes and lighter. So, so he'd say, like, oh, I'd, he would tell the victims how he had dropped his st- stuff. Ah. Which which comes back into Ted Bundy style in a bit later. Uh, so the heavy police presence on the island didn't manage, to, didn't manage to apprehend the beast, but did lead him to lie low for two years until... In, April 1963, when he attacked a nine-year-old boy in St. Saviour and then another 11-year-old boy in in November of that year. He took uh, another year off and was back again in Trinity in 1964, attacking a 10-year-old girl before attacking a 16-year-old girl in... a 16-year-old boy in 1964 as well, like later on that year. And then as suddenly as all the attacks started, they stopped... Over the ne- and um, over the next two years, police believed like he'd just gone away. So that, they, I'd still wanted the, you know. Yeah, but they look thought, for him. They thought he'd either maybe he might have died or maybe he might have been arrested somewhere else for another crime or something like that. But then in 1966, the police received a letter from someone claiming to be him, and the letter goes as follows. You're not going to do a fake Irish accent. Oh, sorry. Oh yeah. My soft Irish accent. Dear sir, I think that it is just the time to tell you that you are just wasting your time. As every time I have done what what I always intended to do and remember it will not stop at this. But I will be fair to you and give you a chance. I have never had much out of this life, so I intend to get everything I can now. I have always wanted to do the perfect crime. I have doubts, but this time, let the moon shine very, very bright. I'm 
Yes, and you went to go with but B R I double T E. That Yeah. Let the moon shine very bright in September. Because this time it must be perfect. Not one, but two. I am not a maniac. But I I'm not a maniac by the I've lost my Irish accent. <laughs> Hang on. I am not a maniac by a long shot, but I do like to play with you. You will hear from me before September, and I will give you all the clues, just to see if you can catch me. Yours, very sincerely, wait and see. So, police believe this to actually be the work of the beast, when um, a fifty, because a fifteen-year-old girl was attacked in the same fashion as that as all the other ones in August, but this time there was a new detail. Uh, the girl had regular spaced parallel scratches going along her body. So they were like kind of like one inch apart, kind yeah. of like long track lines. Uh, after the attack, the beast took his longest hiatus from attacking, but returned to the home of a 13-year-old in Vaidavu. Uh, he took the child from his bed in a similar fashion and took him to the field, where he lay down his raincoat on the floor, uh, undressed the boy and... and Decently insulted him. He returned the boy to his doorstep and told him to not say anything until 8am. Um, the boy didn't say anything to anyone until like 8am, so he literally stayed there quietly. Because the attacker told him to remain quiet or his parents would be harmed. The boy had the same scratches across his body and face as the girl did from the previous attack. But he also gave um, a, a new description saying he was wearing a spiky black wig and a terrifying mask. And then they basically, after this attack, they just questioned everyone. Yeah, just Every to. single person on the island. But nothing nothing came from it. But yeah, because literally everyone was questioned after this brutal, brutal attack. And the mask, which you will see, is fucking horrible. <laughs> so it was... Uh, it was 7.45pm the 10th of July 1971 when a speeding Morris 1100 ran a red light in front of officers John Risborough and Tom McGinn they gave pursuit and the chase for a number of miles and like the Morris was just like clipping cars and then and just hitting everything until it yeah. like crashed through a hedge and then like into a tomato field so then the police just like fuck it went through the hedge as well <laughs> And like completely wrote off the police car, let alone this like little Morris. <laughs> and then the guy in the field like ran out of the ran out of the Morris. So then they like chased him and like rugby tackled him. Yeah. And then when they realised, um, they like took him. They got him like back to the to the station, and they realised that the man in question was five foot six, a medium build with a small moustache, and wearing an extremely long, very musty coat. But the weird thing was the one-inch nails that were protruding out of the guy's lapels and collar oh. and, like, cuffs. So all of his coat was full of nails, which is fucking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were like, holy shit, we might have him. But it was when they pulled out the torch with most of its lens covered... In tape. Oh, so he's got, he just had a regular torch. He had a torch and, and he taped up so the beam was tiny. 
so he could look around the room and the face mask with the black wig on that they realised they had him. So the guy in question who they caught was Edward John Lewis Pizel. He was a 46-year-old builder who came from an affluent and well-known family on the island. So this is why I feel like he wasn't questioned. But also, yeah. he was one of 13 men on the island to not give fingerprints. So Again, really, really should have looked. Question 13 people 13 people. First. Those are the first people you question. No one else. But I feel like because of his affluence, they would have probably, well, no, no one would ever. But he was well, also... No, he was married with um, a daughter and two stepkids. Uh, he wasn't questioning the case prior to this, even though he didn't give uh, fingerprints, because the only mark on his criminal record was uh, stealing food uh, during the Nazi occupied when the Nazi occupied Jersey. So like, then he would give it yeah. out to other families. Oh. So he was kind of seen as um like a like a Robin Hood sort yeah of Robin kind Hood of sort of thing. And uh, he was known as Uncle Ted. By the children in the foster home that his oh. mum and his, sorry his um his wife and mother-in-law ran, he worked there also as a handyman, so he had keys to the foster home filled with children. Yeah, the foster home filled with children, and uh, he even one year dressed up as Father Christmas for the kids. So they asked him, "Why were you?" Uh, What's with all this clothes? Why have you got this mask? Why have you got these spikes in your coat? Why are you wearing these gloves? Why did you drive past the red light? And he gave nothing but the most logical answers. He was speeding the red light because he was going to an orgy. Oh. He didn't want anyone to see him go into the orgy, so that's why he was using someone else's car. That's why he was speeding. And the reason to he, the fact that he had the nails in his coat was in case anyone attacked him using martial arts. <laughs> Fair. He was going to an orgy, after all. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, and the the mask was also, yeah, so he didn't get recognised on the way to the orgy. That didn't fly. Police went and got a warrant and searched his house. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they're in his house. They go turn up at his house and they're like, oh, his wife's there. And they ask him about him, and he's like, oh no, he's all very nice. Weird enough, they ask him about it. They ask the wife about his sex drive, and the wife said, oh, he actually had quite a low sex drive, because he was raping everyone. Yeah. And like that's how he clearly got his jollies. But he did also have a mistress, so he wasn't... And his him and his wife had a like a strange uh, deal going on. Like They were separated, but they lived in the same house... But they were still, they weren't divorced, they were separated, lived in the same house, and he, because he was a builder, so he built an annex onto the house. Alright. It's where he lived, and the wife did say that he was, like, just a very nice, kindly gentleman, but he just kept weird hours, and he would often walk out at late times of the well, night. Between 10pm? Between odd hours, he was up, up and going at all times, coming and going as he pleased, because he was in his little annex. So the police were like, right, this is weird. We're going to go look in the annex. And then they looked in the annex. It's when they came and found his little secret office in the annex. So uh, when they got into the office, they found uh, books on... This is the very cool part. Books on black magic and the occult and like Satanism, as well as um, 
written his name down, but it's disappeared on my thing. Bookshelf looked very similar to yours. Uh, well, apart from <laughs> not drawing one, links, but... not drawing links. Again, I've got no no masks, no masks in here. So um, yeah, when they the police, sorry, a thing we wanted to do, when they found they found the secret room, and the smell that emanated was like a very musty smell because again, no um, no air right, no building no, it, not for breeze. And you didn't give any ventilation. That was the problem. You build your secret room, but. He's a builder. Surely you should have thought of that. Well, it was airtight. He wanted his room airtight. But in so in the room, they found a camera with the photos of all of the victims' houses. Yeah, so he so would he go around. He fully cased all. That's why it took so long off between attacks. Yeah. So he fully planned all of his attacks, took all these stuff, and then they found. So yeah, um, they found also loads of books on is uh, Giles Dorace, who was a basically he was during the time of Joan of Arc, but he was he then. He was a, like a French soldier and then, but it was general, but then he was a massive child killer. So the Beast of Jersey obviously idolised him as well as all the black magic. So when in questioning with the police, police kept asking him, like, why did you do all this? And he would give vague or no answers and just say things like, prove it. Then he would just go back to speaking about curses the whole time. So all he was like meant to talk about was just like curses and the occult. And then they like had him on everything. So he tried to plead insanity. They were like, no chance. You knew exactly what you were doing. You've got, we've got all this evidence. How you had all the photos of all the victims. You knew exactly where you were going. You cut the phone lines. You did all this stuff, and then you like keep news curtains of all the attacks and things like that. So they were like, nope, we've got you. So they sentenced him to thirty years in prison. <laughs> I, the island was was thrilled. So after in nineteen ninety one. He was released from prison after serving 20 years for the most fucked up set of attacks of all time. Yeah. Where he tried to return home to Jersey. People didn't want him there. No. And you know what? The poor bugger had to move to the Angle of Wight where he died in 1994 and with it ended the island of Jersey's onslaught from the beast. But that's not what was all. There is evidence, more rumours and speculation. I don't know how much you know about Jersey and the prolific child abuse cases, but there is a long-standard history of uh, uh, care units for children, orphanages having uh, connections with uh, Jimmy Savile and famous other like paedophiles, and there was evidence of people being locked in cellars and things like that. So they reckon, they don't, it's not confirmed, and it is just speculation that he was somehow connected to these abuses. But it was also then rumoured in the foster house that his uh, wife and mother-in-law, there was a doctor that worked there that gave descriptions of him like basically breaking into the there and abusing the kids. But then it's all speculation, yeah. so who knows what actually happened. But it doesn't take much for the imaginations to say yeah, it's, it's he, was, he was breaking into houses that he didn't know about. He was probably breaking into places where he had keys and doing the same yeah. things to the kids. But yeah, that's that's the story of Edward Pizel, I believe. Edward Pizel. Yeah, Edward Pizel. Pizel, the Beast of Jersey. Anything nice to end on? Don't think so. No? <laughs> no. Oh, that's...
We should probably think of something nice. Something, maybe have like a palate cleanser. Yeah, just at the end. Have I shown you owls running? If not, I'll show you owls running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> the it's the little goblin hand. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you again for listening. Cheers, you can uh, follow us on Instagram if you want the photos of all these horrible masks. And also, a uh, shout out to Liam Wood for designing our awesome logo we've just got back yesterday. It is very cool. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs>